Well, good morning again. All right. Any of you know who Harry Truman was? Were some of you around when he was a president? Well, just a few of you, right? President Harry S. Truman. He was the 33rd president of the United States. And so the story goes that he snuck into church one Sunday. I don't know how you can sneak anywhere if you're the president of the United States. But it says that he snuck into church one Sunday, and a reporter met him after church. And the president was not a man of many words. And the reporter asked Truman what the sermon was about. And so he answered in one word. He said, sin. And the reporter says, and what did the pastor say about sin? And Truman said, he was against it. <laughs> I think we can all agree with that, right? That sin is bad, right? Can you say that? Turn to your neighbor and say, sin is bad. Turn to someone else and say, sin is bad. But God is good. Say, sin is bad, but God is good. Turn to someone else. Sin is bad, God is good. Sin is bad, God is good. Great. The preacher's preaching about sin today. If you're with us for the first time and visiting, you said, oh my goodness, why did we come today? The pastor's preaching about sin. Why couldn't he preach about love or peace or joy or something more pleasant, but he's teaching about sin? Wow, someone's clapping. <laughs> wow. Wow. So sin is what? Bad. It's bad, but God is? Good. All right. Well, we're continuing our series. Obviously, it's a series on First John. It says it right there. But our series is about authentic Christianity. What does it mean? What does it really mean to be a Christian? And, and the Apostle John was writing this letter to the early day church. And he wanted to make sure that the early believers were, were on track. Because there were a lot of distractions. There were a lot of detractors. There was other doctrines. There were other teachings. And people were living different lifestyles. And he wanted to make sure that he was teaching them the truth. And that, that they not only knew the truth, but that they were actually living the truth. And so we're continuing in this series, and Yvonne started off last week. She did a great job of, of putting everything into context, and so we're continuing today. And so you're saying, well, we're going to talk about sin today. Well, I really didn't choose this topic, but this passage was assigned to me, and that's what we do when we go through a book. We just start with verse 1, and we go through the book, and sometimes we face some topics that maybe aren't that popular, or maybe a little bit more challenging, a little bit more difficult. But that's why we go through a book. So it's important that we get what I call the full counsel of God, that we just don't pick and choose things that we want to talk about or speak about or address, but that as we go through a book, yes, we're going to come into some places where it's challenging, where we're not sure, there's lots of doubt. And so that's where we are today. And yes, we, are, we will be talking about sin. And so we're looking at 1 John, the book of 1 John. So turn to that book in your Bibles or on your phone. And if you don't know where that is, that's towards the very end of the New Testament. It's actually the, the fifth book towards the end. 
The last book of the New Testament is Revelation. Then there's Jude, and there's 3 John, and 2 John, and then we're in 1 John. So if you have that in your Bible, have that on your phone, the passage we're looking at today is 1 John chapter 1, verses 5. Then we're going to go through verse or chapter 2 to verse 6. So 1 John chapter 5, well, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 to chapter 2, verse 6. And as we read through this, and we're going to have it on the screen as you read through it, I want you to pay particular attention to a few words, a few, few phrases. Obviously, it's the word sin, because that's what we're talking about today. But as we read through this passage, I want you to count how many times that word sin or anything to do with sin is mentioned in this passage that we read. So try to count them as we read through it. And then the second phrase I want you to look at is this, this phrase called, if I claim, or if we claim something. So look for those two phrases as we read through this portion of Scripture. So 1 John chapter 1, starting at verse 5. And we'll have it up here on the screen as well. So this is what it says. It says, this is the message we have heard from him, and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim, there's that first time, if we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. That's the first mention of sin here. So the next verse. If we claim, there's that, ver- that phrasing in, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim, there it is again, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his words has no place in our lives. Chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, the one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims, there's that phrase again, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray, Father, that as we search your word this day, that you would help us to have a better understanding, that you would shed some light in our hearts and in our minds, and help us to understand what it is that you would want us to hear this day. And I pray, Father, that we would not only hear your word, that we would not only speak your word, but we would be obedient and to do your word as well. So bless us this day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. To combat, to combat the false teaching and the immoral lifestyles that were prevalent in the early day Christian church, the Apostle John was trying to tell his readers what true, authentic 
Christianity was all about, what it meant, and how it's supposed to have been lived out. And just like back then, the Christian life, the life that we are trying to lead today, has an enemy. And we read about that in this passage of Scripture. And what do you think that enemy is? What is it? Sin. What? I can't hear you. What? Sin, right? There you go. Remember, that's what we're talking about today. Sin. And what is sin? It's bad, right? Sin is bad. But God is? Good. There you go. In these 12 short verses, nine times, I don't know if you counted them, but nine times in these verses, John mentions the word sin. And so the subject is obviously pretty important for him to mention it that many times. And so John illustrates this theme by using this, this contrast or this difference between light and darkness. He says God is light and sin is darkness. God is good and sin is? Oh, good. You guys are getting it. Good job. But there's another difference here. There's another contrast here too. And the contrast is between saying and doing. Remember, we looked at that other phrase, if we claim. How many times did you see that phrase? Four. Good. Four times we see that phrase, if we claim. And, and it's clear that our Christian life uh, is to amount to more than just talk. We can't just claim something or profess something. We have to show it. We have to do it. So we must also not just talk the talk, as they say, but we must what? walk the walk, right? It needs to match up. So if we are in fellowship with God, if we are walking in the light, then our lives will back up what our lips are saying. But if we are living in sin, it says walking in darkness, then our lives will contradict what our lips are saying, making us what? Hypocrites, right? And the New Testament calls the Christian life a walk, And the walk begins with the step of faith when we trust Christ as our Savior. But salvation is not the end. It's only the beginning of our spiritual life. And this is where most of us are right now. We're right now in this phase. We are all on this journey of life. Most of us, I believe, are believers here. Most of us, I believe, uh, claim to be Christians. But walking, walking involves progress. And as believers and as Christians, we're supposed to grow and we're supposed to advance in our spiritual life. Just as a child must learn to walk and must must overcome many difficulties in doing so, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, must learn to walk in the light, as 1 John says. But here's the big problem. Any guesses what that problem is? Sin, right. Oh, you guys are good. Sin, that's a big, big problem. And sin is what? Sin is what? But God is? All right, good job. Well, sin, what is sin? What is sin? Let's try to help define it a little bit, okay? Sin is not simply outward disobedience, right? We have the sins of commission, right? I do something wrong. I do something bad. 
I, I lie or I, I cheat on my taxes. That's sins of commission by doing something wrong. There's also another type of sin. It's called the sins of omission. Where there are things that we know we need to do or we ought to do, but we don't do it. We choose not to do it. That's a sin of omission. And there are many things like that in our life. But there's other types of sin as well. Those are more outward types of things. But the sin is also within us. There's that inner person, that inner man, that inner rebellion or that desire or that selfish, when we have selfish motives or selfish intentions, when we have that stubborn attitude or that critical spirit that's fueled by our own pride. For example, sin is basically refusal to submit to God. It's refusal to submit to God and to his plan and to his purpose. So being independent of God's will is the very essence of sin. If a believer decides to live an independent life apart from doing and obeying God's will, how can they possibly walk in fellowship with God? I've been talking about the believer, about the Christian Kind of like in the third person. Well, let me get a little bit more personal. My son's not here. He was here in the first service. My son, Micaiah, he's home for the summer. But he preached a sermon a couple of months ago at his school, at his college, at one of their chapel services. And so he sent me the YouTube video. And so he gets up on stage. And the first thing he says, he says, Hi, my name is Micaiah. And I'm a sinner. And it's like, oh, that's the first thing he said. So I'm going to borrow from him, and I hope he doesn't mind. But this morning, good morning. My name is Phil, and I'm a sinner. I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor, but I'm still a sinner. You see, I have sins of commission. I commit sins. I cheat when I play cards. <laughs> I cheated last night on my diet. We went to a graduation party and I ate too much. I lie. I lie to my wife whenever she asks me, how does this dress look, honey? <coughs> Sorry, just kidding. The sins of commission. The sins of omission. I know I have to, I know I need to do the dishes, but I don't. Now those are sort of funny things, right? But let's go a little bit deeper. So I look in my own heart. There's sometimes some stuff inside of me, if I had to really admit it, that's not very pretty. I know I'm a Christian, I know I'm a pastor, I know know I'm a Salvation Army officer, but sometimes I can get pretty selfish. Sometimes I can get pretty stubborn. Sometimes I can argue with my wife. Sometimes I argue with God. I'm basically selfish. I want my own way. 
I'm a sinner. You see, all of us, for all believers, for all Christians, the certainty of sin is real. You can't deny it, right? Look at your own life. But we're all sinners, right? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But because of that, we need to learn how to deal with our sins. We need to know how to address them if we want to live that authentic Christian life. And in this passage, the Apostle John explains three approaches to sin. Just three simple approaches, and we're going to go through them as quickly as we can. So here it is. Here's the first approach to sin. Number one, he says we can try to cover our sins. We can try to cover our sins. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, don't try to cover your sins. Turn to someone else and say that. Don't try to cover your sins. First John 1.5 says, God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. You see, light produces life and growth and beauty, but sin is darkness, and darkness and light cannot exist in the same place. If we are walking in the light, the darkness has to go. If we are holding on to sin, then the light needs to go. You see, there is no middle ground. There's no vague, gray area where sin is concerned. Sometimes that's a tough pill to swallow. So how do Christians try to cover up their sins? Let's look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. How do we try to cover up their sins? It says by telling lies. You see that verse up there, verse 6? It's by telling lies. First we tell lies to others. You see, we want our Christian friends to think that we're spiritual. So we lie about our lives. And we try to make a good impression on them. We want them to think that we are walking in the light Though in reality, we are walking in the darkness. Then let's look at verse 8. Once someone begins to lie to others, he will sooner or later lie to himself. And our passage deals with this. The problem now is not deceiving others, but it's deceiving ourselves. It's possible for a believer to live in sin, yet convince himself or herself that everything is fine in their relationship with the Lord. And perhaps the classic example of this is King David himself. This, Porsche, this, uh, this story is found in, in the Old Testament, Second Samuel chapters 11 and 12. And probably most of you know this story. First David, King David, he lusted after Bathsheba. And then he actually committed adultery. And instead of opening and openly admitting what he had done, what did he do? He tried to cover. He tried to cover his sin. He tried to deceive Bathsheba's husband. He made him drunk, and then he had him killed. He lied to himself, and he tried to carry on his royal duties in the usual way. And when the prophet Nathan confronted him with a similar hypothetical situation, David condemned the other man though he felt no condemnation at all for himself. You see, once we begin to lie to others, it may not be long before we actually start believing our own lie. 
And let's go to verse 10 now. And the spiritual decline becomes even still worse. For you see, the next step is trying to lie to God. We have made ourselves liars. Now we try to make God a liar. We contradict his word, which says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we maintain that we, that we are exceptions to the rule. We apply God's word to others, but not to ourselves. And so we sit through church services or Bible studies and are not touched by the Bible's teachings. Believers who have reached this low level are usually highly critical of other Christians, but they strongly resist applying the word to their own lives. And it's sad. But what's missing here is humility and honesty. You see, we must be honest with ourselves. We must be honest with others and honest with God. And this passage describes a believer who is living a dishonest life. He is a phony, he is playing a role, and he's acting a part. And he's not living that genuine, authentic Christian life. And is it any wonder that God warns us in Proverbs 28? He says, he that covers, or he that conceals his sin, does not prosper. And David tried to cover his sins, and it cost him his health cost him his joy, it cost him his family and almost his kingdom. And if we are to live an authentic Christian life, we must never cover our sins. So then what should we do? What should we do? Well, here's the second thing we can do with our sins. We can confess our sins. We can confess our sins. Say to your neighbor, you can confess your sins. Say to someone else, you can confess your sins. I like 1 John 1, 9, one of my favorite verses. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and will cleanse us and purify us from all unrighteousness. So you see, when we have failed, we can confess our sins. So what does it mean to confess? Well, to confess our sins means much more than simply saying, I'm sorry, or, or just to admit it. You see, the word confess actually means this. It means to acknowledge and to agree with God. This God who is holy. This God who is just. This God who is righteous. This God who is pure. This God who he cannot stand the sight of sin. It's not part of his nature. It's not part of his character. He can't stand the sight of sin. And so to confess means to acknowledge and to agree with God about what that sin is. To confess sin then means to say the same thing about it that God says about it. It reminds me of when Jesus was dying on the cross and he hung there and he was taking on him the sins of of the entire world. All of your sin, all of my sin, Jesus was bearing it on the cross. And God, Holy Father, righteous, just, pure God, who cannot stand the sight of sin, for one moment in time, had to turn his back on his own son Jesus because he couldn't bear to see the sin that he was holding on to. 
And that's why Jesus said on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you turned your back on me? Why have you forsaken me? Because Jesus was bearing the sin of the world upon him. And that's the kind of God we have, a holy God, a righteous God. And so confession, confession is not praying a lovely prayer or making pious excuses or trying to impress God and other Christians. True confession is naming sin. It's calling it by name what God calls it. Whether it's envy or hatred or lust or deceit or selfishness or whatever it may be. Confession simply means being honest with ourselves. Being honest with God and and if others are involved, being honest with them as well. It is more than just admitting sin. It means looking it squarely in the face. Addressing it. And judging that sin for exactly what it is. Is there remorse? Yes. Is there repentance? Yes. It's not something that should be taken lightly. But when we confess our sin, truly confess our sins, God promises here in 1 John 1, 9 to forgive us. Because why? Because he's faithful. Because he's just. He's the just judge. He's faithful and just to forgive us and then, not to just forgive us, but to cleanse us and to purify us from all unrighteousness. And we can be released from that. And so the question is asked, and when, then when should we confess our sin? You see, the great mistake that King David made was, was in trying to cover his, sin, his sins instead of confessing them. And so for perhaps for a whole year, he lived in deceit and defeat. And you see, unconfessed sin and a guilty conscience is something that no believer needs to endure. Is there any unconfessed sin right now in your life? Perhaps you've been dealing with something. Maybe that just happened recently, or perhaps it happened many years ago. And it's been weighing on your heart, weighing on your mind. It doesn't need to. Confess it. God will forgive you if you confess. Unconfessed sin and a guilty conscience is something that no believer needs to endure. Don't be afraid to confess. So when should we confess our sin? It should be immediately. As soon as we discover it, as soon as we become aware of it, Proverbs 28 says, He who covers his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses, and renounces them, finds what? Finds mercy and grace. Isn't that what we need? Isn't that what we want? We want God's mercy. And so don't cover your sin. Don't try to hide it. Bring it out into the light. Confess it, and God will forgive. You see, by walking in the light, we are able to see the dirt in our lives. And then we deal with it immediately. They say confession is good for the soul, and it is. And it's kind of like breathing. 
We exhale, we inhale. We exhale, we inhale. The Word of God tells us that we need to pray without ceasing. And so we need to practice that. When we exhale, we confess. Put out the bad air, the bad air. We, we push it out. We confess it. We give it to the Lord. And then we receive it. We inhale his blessings and his mercy and his grace. And we push out and we confess. And we bring in the blessings and the grace. And we confess and repent and we believe and receive. And then we confess. And then it just becomes a natural habit. And then we have a clean, healthy heart and body. Confession, it's good for the soul. So instead of covering up our sins, we should confess our sins. And then the last thing, the last thing that we can do with our sins, and John puts it well here, he says, we can conquer our sins. We can conquer our sins. In 1 John chapter 2, the first verse, it says this. In fact, turn to your neighbor one last time and say, you can conquer your sins. Say it one more time. You can conquer your sins. John makes it very clear that we can have victory over sin. I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. You see, the secret of victory over sin is found in the phrase, walk in the light as he, as Jesus is in the light. And to walk in the light as he is in the light means to walk like Jesus, to be like him, to be empowered by God's word and to rely on the Holy Spirit, to be open and honest with yourself, to be an open and honest with God and with others, to be authentic, to be sincere. And what John is saying here, he is saying that what I want to see in the life of the professing believer is testimony and evidence that there is a life that is bent towards God. That is bent towards God. Now what does that mean? A life that is bent towards God, it means that God's promises are the desires of our heart. God's commands, we love. We long to do what he has asked us to do. We desire to be like him, like his son Jesus. We don't want to conform to the ways of the world and how it thinks and how it acts. We want to march to the beat of a different drum. We want to march to the beat of God's drum. We want to think after God's thoughts. We want to live as he has called us to in his word. And so what John is doing here, John is pressing home the point that if your profession of faith points one way, and your life points the other way. It's solid proof that you're not living authentically, that you're not walking in the light as he is in the light. Now John is not saying that you're going to live a perfectly sinless life. No, that's not the case. We already talked about that. The Christian life is not a life of sinless perfection. It's a life of struggle, with temptations and sin coming from without, from our environment and from our circumstances and from other people, but also from within. You see, the heart is decept- deceptive above all things. 
But it's a life in which we need to continually seek God's forgiveness. And so the question is, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, is your life bent in this direction? Is your desire to grow in grace? Do you long to be more and more like Jesus? In all that you do, in all that you say, in all of your relationships, do you have that desire? Do you want to be more and more like Jesus? And are you unhappy in your sin? Because you know that your sin is displeasing to God. And it fractures and it breaks the fellowship that you have with him and with others. Does a sin in your life make you upset and angry? And you want to get rid of it. Is sin something that you cannot be comfortable with? You cannot be satisfied with. But you long to please him in the way in which you live. And if that's the case, your life is bent towards God. And that's good. That's good. You see, John here is asking us to search our lives. And to see whether our lives measure up to what we profess. Does our walk... Does our walk match our talk? I hope that we are people whose lives can stand to be tested by God's light. You see, God is light, and when we walk in the light, there's nothing that we can hide. And it's so refreshing. It's so refreshing to meet a Christian who is, who is open and sincere and is not trying to pretend to be something that they're not. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. And the Apostle John here makes it very clear that the authentic Christian, the real person, has no love for sin. And instead of trying to cover up sin, a true believer confesses confesses his sin and tries to conquer it by walking in the light of God's word and through the power of his Holy Spirit. And so this morning, as the worship team sings, perhaps you need to reflect on your own life. Is there any unconfessed sin in your life? Are you walking in the light as he is in the light? If not, Don't try to cover up your sin. Confess. And God is faithful and just and will forgive and will cleanse. But allow God, the Holy Spirit, to speak to your heart this morning. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for being a God full of grace and mercy. Thank you, God, for being the God of second chances and third and fourth and fifth and So many more chances. Thank you, Father, for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross so that our sins can be forgiven. We thank you that your son Jesus is our advocate, standing in our place, defending us at the throne of grace whenever we sin. And so, Father, I pray that we would be honest with ourselves. 
Lord, we want to be authentic Christians. We want to be the kind of people who, who do what we say, who walk the talk and not just talk the talk. Father, examine our lives in the light of your love and your purity. And Lord, if there is anything that is not right, if there is anything that is not clean, we want to come clean before you. And you give us that opportunity, Father, to confess. If we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. And so, Father, we claim that promise. Father, release us from the things that hold us in bondage. And only you can free us. So I pray, Father, that as we we move forward in our life, that as we face this world that is full of sin, we still have to deal with it. And so, Father, we ask your presence, your Holy Spirit to be with us. We ask that you would allow us to to study and to learn more of your word so it can be a weapon to fight against sin in this world, within our own lives. And help us, Lord, to surround us with your Holy Spirit and surround us with other believers, brothers and sisters who can help us in this walk. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the promise that you have. We pray these things now in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.